Welcome. Tonight begins a season of evil, where we begin a most lurid dissection of the most horrifying, blood-curdling season of the year. That's right. It is time once again for our hallowed Song Topsy Halloween extravaganza. Starting tonight with our latest rendition of A Night at the Movies Halloween Edition 2 slash fiction here on the Song Topsy Report. Oh, I've got chills, Steve. Absolute chills right now. I want to change the channel. Well, it's October. It's October, Mike. It's cold out. Yeah, Jesus, Mike, why are you Mike, why are you recording this outside? And why are you not wearing any clothes? <laughs> You know, I'm just, you know, my neighbors have uh, been real flattering lately, and I thought maybe it was time to give a, a nude expose uh, of how podcasting can get done. Mike, I know this might be a bit, but how often does it occur to you to be like, you know what, I need to give these people a nude expose? <laughs> That's how you got your MTA card permanently revoked, right? <laughs> I also like, I had this whole this whole idea to have this whole creepy thing prepared and fucking look at where Mike is sitting. He's sitting in a completely black void with a single spooky lamp. I should have just given it to him. Don't yell at Mike for actually being on brand with this. I've even got spooky background lights as well. And where do we have all the spooky lighting, Steve? We have it on the Song Topsy Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise note-boothy music (laughs) to figure out how it died. I am your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I am your scare master, Steve Trollinger. And by scare master, you mean primary researcher. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> just oh, I see where this. I see that bit, Nick. I see this happening all episode. <laughs> Primary deceased searcher. <laughs> Steve. Spooky. Steve, I hate to say this so early in the episode, but you've gone mad with power. <laughs> uh, but no so if you are new to the podcast thank you so much for joining us if you're a longtime listener uh you either love your days at the movies or you don't but if you don't love them what the hell is wrong with you because they're usually wonderful and especially when they are themed around spooky horror movies and i, I didn't get to mention it last episode but this is my favorite time of the year i fucking love october i love halloween i love autumn i love all of this so, Steve, I'm in a very conducive to this kind of episode mood right now. So, please take advantage of it. Okay, I will. Con- I will take advantage of your conducivity. Take advantage of me, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're gonna kick us. So we're kicking off. We we like to do. Uh, we like to have fun at this time of year. So, as you may have noticed, this episode isn't exactly coming out the week of 
Halloween, but that just means we've got plenty more spooky fun available to us the next couple of weeks. Yeah, nothing like overloading the month with uh, those these themed themed dissections. Hey, in our defense, we're starting in the middle of the damn month, all right? So it's not <laughs> like we're doing a four weeks worth, all right? <laughs> Three at the most. Three at the most. And so I figured, why not start it like I did last year with another night at the movies, where we will, oh. as a, the sexily scary, weird, like... Dracula guy at the top. Boy, he sounded hot. Uh, right, said, yeah, it's probably a face made for radio. Yeah. Uh, call as uh, this episode uh, is called <laughs> Dick Slash... made for the bedroom. <laughs> okay. okay, is called Slash Fiction, which now that I'm saying it out loud sounds like it could be a different episode. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, actually, when you say Slash Fiction, Steve, that has one very real definition, and you're choosing to choose an arbitrary different version. I thought you were going to be conducive. <laughs> you don't sound very conducive. I just don't want to confuse <laughs> the listeners right up front, Steve, because you're just going to be playing... Well, I'll, I'll let you introduce what you will we, be showing We will us. be discussing three films and their respective theme songs, and these films have one thing in common, and that is they are some good old-fashioned slasher films. But not the standard ones. Like I feel like over the past couple of Halloweens, we've covered, we've covered your uh, Nightmare on Elm Street tie-ins. We've covered your Friday the Thirteenth. But these I like because these are the deep cuts. These are the you have yeah. to know your slasher movies to know some of the stuff we're playing from. One of them oh. isn't so much a deep okay, cut. Okay, yeah, but yeah. The, the last yeah, one two is of the a others little... will be. I um, love I love how you're using deep cuts for slashers. That's nice. <laughs> so the slasher fiction gentleman has a has a has a long and illustrious tradition dating back to the grandfather of the genre, Psycho, by Alfred Hitchcock, and uh, really coming into its own with the film Halloween, the 1978 film Halloween by John Carpenter, uh, which uh, started two trends: one, a very popular slasher film franchise, and two, a slasher movie that takes place around a holiday, which is going to be a theme that plays out throughout, like, the next... Between, like, 1978 and 1985, every slasher movie that comes out is basically taking place during a holiday, and sometimes during invented holidays, which we'll get to. But first, we're going to talk about... Uh, the first film we're going to talk about is actually a sequel, um, and it is a sequel to the film Maniac Cop. Now, Nick, I know you have some personal experience with the Maniac Cop film franchise. I mean, so yes, the song we're discussing today is from uh, Maniac Cop 2, but the first two Maniac Cop movies are surprisingly good. They're very much like B, if not C-level slasher movies in terms of like slasher movies that people are aware of. Um, but Maniac Cop, they're, they're great B-movies, they're well-acted, they're fast-paced, um, and, you know, depending on your perspective on it, also very timely. You know, if they, yeah. if they were to remake these movies, they'd just be called Cop. Okay, oh, so that's... I know, oh, I knew, I just knew, Nick. <laughs> so that's going to be the last of that, because we don't need to get letters. Certainly not. I knew you'd go after the blue, baby, there. Well, wait until you hear the lyrics of the song, Mike, yeah. okay? And then judge so, for yourself. Mike, I'm assuming you've never seen, based on our previous conversation, one of the Maniac Cop movies, considering that you asked me if they would be good to, quote, smoke a bowl and watch, end quote. I haven't. I am a complete... Which, again, no judgment. This is These are the types of movies you do that shit to. Like, I... you do that. That is what God made marijuana for. Uh, to watch during to watch, Maniac Cop 2. To watch shitty movies. <laughs> 
Um, so it's a 1990 slasher film that is a sequel to a 1988 film, Maniac Cop, directed by William Lustig. Uh, and it's about a brutal cop who returns from the dead to kill those that he believes betrayed him. And ultimately, that kind of plot gets away from him and he just ends up killing everybody who gets in his way. So basically, you have this cop. He's a brutal cop. He uh, gets betrayed by some corrupt city officials who pin uh, some pr- police brutality cases on him, which he was totally ah, actually. De Blasio, which he, but for you. <laughs> he, he actually did them is the only thing. And then he got sent to prison, which you know there's the fictional aspect. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> he and he got murdered by some inmates he had put there, and he came back from the dead as like a revenant, and he he you know put on put on his blues. And he walked around basically the city, New York, trying to like kill like the mayor and all that sort of thing. But also like people like when we get to Maniac Cop 2, which we're actually talking about, he pretty much like spends the movie killing innocent people and befriending criminals. It took months for them to even realize he was a bad guy. Yeah. Like the whole like the whole like beginning part of the first movie, it's like all these news reports of a regular ass cop that's just like Somebody dressed as a cop killing people, and like the news talks about how people are scared to talk to cops because they don't know if it's the maniac cop or not. And then you find out the supernatural aspect later. Um, and it, both movies actually feature, uh, you know, horror alum Bruce Campbell. In case the greatest actor yeah. of all time, in my opinion. So I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna get too much into the um, into the movie because for some strange reason. The through line most of these songs we're going to talk about have today is they're very wordy. Like, not there should be no reason why these songs have as many lyrics as they do for the movies they're attached to. Look, Maniac but, Cop 2 has got a labyrinthine plot not unlike Shakespeare's greatest works, and you need a wordy rap song to go through it all. And here's a little bit of it. Something sneaking around the corner. <laughs> here we go, here we come. I think it's the maniac. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ah! <laughs> Did they fall down like a manhole at one point? Like you know, in yeah. New York, the, these movies take place in New York City. That happens all the time. In the seventies. In order to the 80s, rather. 70s and the 80s. I love that spoken word intro. Who is that? I think it's that maniac. I think it's that maniac, you guys. Guys, I don't know. I can't see his face. Pretty sure he looks like a maniac. Wait, are they... Maybe they're in a club and they're on a dance floor and they see the maniac, maniac on the floor and they're dancing like they've never danced before? That's a different movie. Ah, gotcha. Uh, so this song was written by the film's composer Jay Chataway and performed by Yeshua Barnes and Brian B. Dub Woods. Uh, another fun through line about the songs we're discussing today is very little information surrounding the pr- production of them. So we're just going to have to let the song speak for themselves. But I am actually interested in that because so the composer Jay Chataway, who wrote an orchestral score for the most part, like an orchestral synth score for this, also did the rap beat to what we're hearing. Yeah, and and incorporates like uh, the musical light motif for the Maniac Cop into the Maniac Cop rap. Good for Jay Chataway, which is what wow. this is called. Yes, it's called Maniac Cop rap. Lest there was any misconstruing of what the song was about. So let's hear a little bit more. You better watch out when you hear- 
hear that sound, it means that the maniac cops around. Once upon a time, he was a super cop, but the bad guy framed him to make him stop. They put him in prison, but they tried to kill him. But he broke out, now he's the villain. Bullets won't hurt him, I know it sounds like Jai, but we're not sure if he's dead or alive. Seven. Wait, wait. That so was he, the summary of the first half of the first movie. Yeah. So he he breaks out of prison as this zombie copish kind of. If I thing? recall the movie correctly, I watched these a while ago, but I remember he gets shanked in the shower by a bunch of prisoners and uh, mutilated. Yes, and mutilated. And I believe his body is taken out. Out, but then it's reanimated at some later point. I remember it's some other lady cop who does it, um, but I don't remember the specifics. Oh, oh it's it's a romantic like she she like like a Sleeping Beauty cop like she gives him a smooch and then there's he actually, came back. Yeah, there's a um, if I remember right, the plot is Bruce Campbell is a cop and he's cheating on his wife with his partner, and the um, the partner has someone that she knows that it, or no the wife has like a friend or something who is the former lover of the maniac cop and she's the one who gets yes. his body something like that yes oh it's my very god. shakespearean the whole so, thing god you know nothing nothing makes a great movie like a little bit of necrophilia you know that's that's what <laughs> she doesn't bang the reanimated corpse of the maniac cop it's it, like she brings him back but then like he won't stop killing and she can't stop him and so Bruce would Campbell, you stop killing for five minutes and just come come <laughs> give me some love i mean jesus you killed enough people when you were alive we never had time together you know, I want to see that. I want to see that aspect, that perspective of the of just the the uh, forsaken wife who's just never getting look, never getting look, the husband guys, she deserved. Look, you, know? you guys, I know I said outright at the beginning that I have never seen these movies, but you know what they need? <laughs> A romantic subplot. Uh, but yeah, so you better watch out when you hear that sound. That means the maniac cops around. What's the sound? <laughs> The sound of the maniac cop. But he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he does. He says, you have the right to remain silent forever. Okay, we hear that later, but the maniac cop doesn't. Oh, no, wait, Mike. The lyrics get even better than that. Yeah, they go like this. Set him on fire. I shoot him with a Uzi. But he'll show up in your jacuzzi. You can run him over. You can feed him poison. Push him out a window and it only annoys him. You better believe me if they think I'm lying. When he show up, people start dying. He's out for vengeance and he can't be stopped. That's why they call him the maniac cop. That was also the tagline for the film. You have the right to remain silent. Dot, dot, dot forever you know you know what i wish guys and i know it's a fantasy and maybe even offensive to say but boy could you just imagine uh-huh yeah <laughs> during during one of these alter you know these altercations with the lines of police officers and the protesters if somebody just brought out a big old boom box and played some maniac cop and there was a giant dance battle just that, unite, unite that the is, fronts. That is the Kendall Jenner Pepsi of ideas, Mike. <laughs> Only somehow worse. Because the song that they would be dance competing to is about a cop who's just murdering people indiscriminately. <laughs> like, Mike, at a certain point during, spoiler alert, during Maniac Cop 2, the Maniac Cop <laughs> comes across, like, some prostitutes being beaten up by a drug dealer 
and the maniac cop kills the prostitutes and befriends the drug dealer. What? Like, goes to his house and stays at his place for a while. The, ma- the maniac cop has fr- makes friends? He's yes, like- he the zombie the zombie maniac cop makes friends in Maniac Cop 2. Like, you know what? There's just something about you, guy. You mind if I come over? Why don't we Why don't we take a couple bonnets? And I, I got some crazy stories to tell you, you know? God, like, my, I, <laughs> I'm feeling like Steve in this episode because my first impulse was to say, huh, so he's killing innocent sex workers and befriending drug dealers. So what changed when he died? Well, I mean... Nick! <laughs> oh, just man, curious. I wanted, I wanted to add to that, but the thing I was going to say is just going to make things snowball. It's going to get worse. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Let's, let's, get, let's get another round of Maniac Cop going. Yes, please. <laughs> when you hear that listen out in the streets, you're gonna think it's a cop on the beat. But don't be thinking about police protection, because this is one cop with a bad connection. When he shows up, he's supposed to protect you. But Maniac Cop is out to get you. He's an anti-vigilante and they can't convict him. So watch out, Jack, because you're the next victim. Don't hang around. Oh, my God. Now now you know what we got to do, guys. We got to... We gotta reanimate the corpse of a brutal cop. <laughs> no, you just play, you just play, you just keep playing this on and putting up the pictures of all these cops that need to get convicted. You know, the ones that really did the d- bad, dirty deeds. And look, this is this is probably not a popular. I'd actually, it's just it's just an opinion. I don't know if it's popular or unpopular, but like by f- zeroing in on the maniac cops, the ones that have really done. A the really disservice. bad, the really bad zombie apples. The real bad zombie apples. They need the to be. Apples. They need to be called out and looked at and being like, "This is a maniac cop." Not all cops are maniacs, but these fuckers are maniac cops. We I like that. I like that. That's cops our, too. I like that. That's our level right there. Is like no baseline is maniac. There's above maniac and below maniac. I feel like some sort of level needs because like uh, it's just crazy to me that. How long it takes to, to to truly get crazy people out of positions of power? But yeah, Mike, but, imagine but. imagine if over the decades there were just tons of maniac cops who were reanimated corpses that the rest of the police still let stay employed that were murdering innocent people, and then when it finally also comes to reanimated light, corpses, y- y- yes, yes, in this example, in this hypothetical example, they're reanimated corpses, and then imagine. Like, it's not just a couple of rotten, decaying apples with the maniac cop. Like, imagine if there's a whole institution that was keeping these people protected. And you kept saying there's a whole bunch of, it's just a couple of bad maniac cops. But in order to hide the fact that there are maniac cops in the first place requires a whole institution to protect them. I realize I shouldn't have put this at the top of the episode because we lost some people, I think, by this point. Only those who are pro-maniac cops. Those Look, are the only people I, we lost. I don't want the, listeners who like reanimated corpses anyway. I want to focus in on the ones that need to get taken care of and fucking axe them and get them take but care of But you can't axe him. He'll come back. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Oh. Wait, wait, what do we establish? You can chew with an Uzi, but he shows up in your jacuzzi, or you can yeah. poison him, but it just annoys him. We try to get rid of the bad apples, but you can't kill them, as this whole song is trying to articulate. Or as they say next. If you see him coming, just pick up your feet and commit to running. And don't waste time dialing 911. Forget karate and forget your gun. Don't play hero, don't try to be brave. This dude's gonna turn you to an early grave. He's out for vengeance and he can't be stopped. That's why they call him the maniac cop. You have the right to a mortician. Oh 
You have the right to a mortician. (laughs) Forget karate. Forget your gun. You gotta run when the maniac cop is after you. I'm bad at rapping. I'm sorry. Uh, Steve, you said the actual rappers in this song. Could you find any information about them? I I could not. I could not find any. Were they just hired guns for this? It seems like no nobody that in in the songs I'm covering today, nobody involved seemed to have had any further dealings or career that I could discover through the internet. All, they were so rental rental rappers there. <laughs> That'd be a great service. I would offer mine freely. So Steve, you're saying everyone who every one of these songs killed the career of the person who did them? Or they just were like, hey. It's not for me. I, I, you know, I tried. Yeah, I tried. Back to accounting. I thought Maniac Cop Rap was going to be my breakout. Uh, but before I, before I move on to the next movie, I want to get this last uh, this last little verse done. That's my favorite. He's the m- 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 maniac cop. This is definitely the T U R T L E power of slasher <laughs> films. But that's Maniac Cop Two, and the Maniac Cop rap. I, ooh, I'm watching. I'm going to watch this tonight. I Th- think that I'm would be, Maniac Cop One and Two would be an excellent double feature, both for you, Mike, and for any listeners looking for a good. Like not wasting your time, B slasher movie. They're both very entertaining. I think, and, my, then, and, and then when you're done, you watch Jay. You watch Jason takes Manhattan, and then you go to bed. <laughs> now, Steve, the next song that you have lined up, I'll let you introduce it. But uh, yeah. this is the only other song that you're playing today that I'm aware of, and this song is wonderful for many reasons yeah. that I know you'll don't, get into. Yeah, don't don't spoil it. I have a whole setup for this one. So the next movie we're going to talk about is a film called, rather, you know, joyously, The Mutilator. Jesus. So uh, its original title, the original title of the film, as it was written, was Fall Break. So earlier in the episode, you might remember I mentioned how at a certain point, they just sort of started running out of holidays to make slasher films around. So they just... In this case, the writer and director of this 1984 slasher film, Buddy Cooper, decided, you know what? There's one holiday we haven't touched on yet, and that's fall break. And the reason we haven't touched on it yet is because fall break doesn't fucking exist. Not 100% true. I did hear an interview with the director, apparently in the South, 
where this movie was filmed, I, I, I forgot it was like South Carolina or something, but apparently fall break is considered a thing. Like what we consider Thanksgiving break, for some reason they just call fall break. I was just Wait. like, you, you know you know how you have a fall break in college? Ugh, we've been at school a whole month. We gotta take a week off. I know, let's go to a beach resort town in the off season. Wait a second, wasn't this just Yom Kippur? Like, what's going on? I like, don't think anyone in this movie knew what Yom Kippur was. <laughs> so, Buddy Cooper wrote a film about, surprise, surprise, a group of college kids who travel to a beachfront condo during a fall break so a bunch of kids, a bunch of college-age kids getting in a car, driving to a remote location, getting drunk, getting high, and having sex with each other. Nothing's going to ensue. That's the whole movie, guys. And they are... Oh, <laughs> never mind. I was wrong. I didn't read the rest of the sentence. They are then stalked and murdered in increasingly gruesome ways by a man with a personal connection to them. Which is certainly not the plot to Friday the 13th. No, certainly not. Um, so originally it's called Fall Break. Uh, the produce the people ended up producing it thought it was kind of like a eh thing to call a horror movie so they're like why don't you call it the mutilator and what an yeah. apt description because the uh, main villain of the movie does in fact mutilate several people in like tom savini-esque ways oh yeah i thought you were gonna say the killer's what is, name was what, is, what does that mean Tom Savini was a very was a very famous uh, still is practical and still is yes a very famous practical effects like Guru and Wizard, who was famous for, uh, who is famous for like really gory practical effects for horror films. Okay. I think he did. Uh, did he do the effects for American Werewolf in Paris? Mer- you mean American Werewolf in London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think he didn't see, he, he did either the, the Howling version. or that That's movie. The... I think I don't remember, but certainly Friday the Thirteenth. He did a lot of influential slasher movies in the eighties. He did the gore for. Yeah. So. The basic plot of this film is that a uh, a kid named Ed accidentally kills his mother with a hunting rifle while he's cleaning it in front of his dad, the grief of which drives his dad insane. And then we don't really understand what happened between then and the, the time the story picks up, because the story then picks up when Ed is grown up and in college and seems perfectly well-adjusted. But his dad has been, I guess, harboring a secret desire to kill his son because of this and has decided that the best time to do this would be when his uh, son and his friends show up at their cabin on a beachfront on the off season when nobody's in town. What is, so <clears throat> I know about when sons want to kill their fathers cause they want to fuck their moms, but what's it called when the mom dies and the dad's like, I want to go, I want to kill my son. It's called like, fall a- break. <laughs> yeah. An, an Electra. It's called cold? good old dad. Electrical, maybe, uh, complex. I don't know. I, because, because Greek. Okay. Anyway, um, so, so the his dad, Big Ed, insane, stalks all these kids and murders them in what was described as gratuitous and sickeningly ingenious ways. It's a little hyperbolic. Like the like, it's a low budget slasher movie, and literally there are a couple of kills where they couldn't film the, it the way they wanted to, and they had to do, like, budget versions. Like, someone was supposed to, like, be impaled in a pool, and, and that effect didn't work. And so, like, okay, she drowns now. And they just pull her underwater. 
Um, so the film is full. Of, uh, so despite Nick being a party pooper, um, well, uh, actually, the mutilator is uh, not exactly very gory, depending it, on the original. It was outlook. gory. It was gory enough to earn the film an X rating. That's fair. Which oh. the filmmakers actually tried to make a go of it anyway with the X rating because they didn't want to change anything. And at this point in time, in like the early '80s, X rating is typically associated with you know, porno, gratuitous sex. Yeah. But the film was so violent and gross that they, that was the only other rating available to them. So they tried to make a go of it. They put it up in like LA and New York. It bombed. So they were like, fine. They went back and did an R-rated cut and released it in like middle America. And it did slightly better. Um, But the murders committed by the main villain, Big Ed, include cutting someone open with a motorboat or with a boat motor, decapitation, impalement with a trident, cutting in half with a car, and in the most horrific instance, gutting a woman with a fish hook with a very sensitive starting point. Oh, no! No! And all of those happened in a little film called The Mutilator. When the leaves of summer Turn red and gold and the football games bring a hint of the cold time to get away. We'll pack the car with escape in mind, forgetting out classes, leaving books behind. Time to get away. Empty cottage sit on the shore. Tourists all left about a month before, and we're going. This is great. So. I feel murder, so happy dis- inside. Murder, disgusting, gory death, and... Have a good time. Gonna have a good time. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. We're going on out. A ball break, ball break. walking hand in hand in the moonlight. And the moonlight. We'll be the sweet soul there. I swear, we'll never <laughs> Get out of here. Get this out. This played <laughs> at the beginning of the film. You're it- in the theater. Me and me and my friends, we're gonna see a, a a picture called the Mutilator. Oh, I can't wait to see the Mutilator. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be so disgusting and decadent and horrifying. I can't wait to fall break. Everybody's having a good time. <laughs> now, like they they, I am a huge fan. If y'all aren't aware of juxtaposition, I mean, this, I mean, this, I mean, this is this is just, the dic- ooh, this shows up in the dictionary. This shows up in the dictionary under juxtaposition. <laughs> it just says the mutilator. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Oh, I really, I really like what they're doing here. But you the- must have for a moment been like, am I in the wrong theater? <laughs> is this a light-hearted college road trip comedy? Uh, so and it goes on. It's yes. not like a minute or two. It's a full-length song that they play throughout the opening credits. Yeah, Mike, did you know, for instance, that for that murder scene that I just mentioned, uh, the special effects guys created a lower body dummy, uh, and that dummy was filled with uh, condoms filled with fake blood. We're going on a, a ball break. Also, did you know that when the kids first get to the cabin, the first thing they find is a picture of uh, Ed's dad, Big Ed, a picture he had taken of a man that he ran over with his car, a picture of his bloody, disgusting corpse. 
Not a soul Oh, this is, this is, I mean, you can't help but feel good despite how bad things are going to be. So this was written by the film's composer, Michael Menard and Arthur Resnick, and performed by Peter Yellen and the Breakers, which I think is a studio group. It's just like a bunch of studio musicians they threw in together to record this particular song. For a film that was originally called Fall Break. And for some reason, they thought people were going to get confused about what kind of movie they were about to watch. So they're like, rename it. We're calling it The Mutilator. <laughs> now, the musicians, were they given a lot of details about the movie? Were they given the original title of the movie? Like, I'm going to go they... ahead and say they were given the original title and that's it. <laughs> hey, you want to write a song for a movie called Fall Break? Oh. You know, that sounds like fun. Sure. Give us the synopsis for the first, like, not the first five minutes, but like the five minutes after. And we'll write oh. a song based on that. Okay, these kids oh, are getting yeah, in a car. Oh, yeah, college kids. About to go on fall break. <laughs> they're on That's fall all we're break giving you. And they're they're looking go. to have a good time. <laughs> oh, there's our first hook, guys. A fall break. We're going to have ourselves a good time. More like a fish hook. So the I I was desperate. I was desperate to try to find I thought to myself, certainly someone somewhere has put a super cut together of all of the murders from the movie set to the theme song, but nobody had done it. And I was so incredibly disappointed <laughs> that I didn't have that to show you guys because Steve man, it would really you need you need to make that. That yeah, is I, you you have you have looked it for it. It is not there. You know it needs to be, Steve. There is an underserved I need to take, community. Yeah, I need to take what's inside my heart and put it on the screen, which is what happened to one of the kids in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> when they went on They're all hotties, Mike. That's it's a slasher movie. They're horny movie. teenagers, and they all die. I, you know, that's my problem with slashers. It's like I always, I always like the ones where, like, you know, the one hottie makes it at the end. And you're like, oh, that's good most for you. okay. At most, the, the the final girl is a well worn horror movie trope, but like a lot of other hotties, to use your terminology, Mike, will die in the process. Yeah, but there's always one that gets you. Know, that you're like she's got to <laughs> hope she makes it. Is that not, you don't you don't ever pick out one character. You're like I really hope they make it at the end. The, of fin- this. the final girl. Yes, the, let it be yeah. known. That's though. what I'm yeah. saying. But I'm telling you, I'm pretty good at picking. I think everyone's pretty good at picking out the final girl. It's usually the person with the most ra- name recognition. No, just let it be known. Unless you're though, Samuel Mike, Jackson, Mike places your val- your value as a human being based on how much of a hottie you are. Just your value of a human being in a slasher film, Nick. Let's not get crazy. Like, Isn't that how Facebook got started? If you're trapped on a desert island, Mike will eat the ugliest person first. Oh, <laughs> Nick, how many times did they tell you? I, despite what Peter said, I'm not a cannibal. Okay. That woman was crazy. <laughs> You're on a watch list, though, Mike. And you should add this, The Mutilator, and Maniac Cop 2 to your watch list. Tonight, 
<laughs> on Halloween. If you're listening to this on Halloween, like exactly a yes. few weeks after it comes out. So that's the song Fall Break I, for the movie The Mutilator. I uh, this I just want to watch the movie now for like to experience the opening credits like that. Like <laughs> Yeah, so after you've done your Maniac Cop double feature, move on to the Mutilator. Oh yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna move on a bit from these two deep cuts, and then we do the we do the the song topsy slicing sound effect, first. and then okay. uh, we or move Mike on from slips the... pasta that he has in front of him. Yeah, you better not have found that on the street. <laughs> hey guys, this looks like a fresh delivery. I don't know how many times I gotta tell you guys it's a delicacy for a lot of people in Manhattan. Okay. So we're going to move away from... Open your minds! And your mouth and eat the pasta. (laughs) Eat the pasta. So we're going to move on to a slightly more well-known horror uh, film series, not genre, film series. Uh, And that movie is Child's Play. Have either of you ever seen the movie Child's Play? I Uh, I first watched Child's Play when I was three and a half, four years old. Oh, God. Uh, Perfect age to watch it. um, And I'll tell you what, my brother, my brother, he scared the shit out of me, like, with a, so I'm watching, I'm terrified. I'm just, like, you know, eyes wide, just staring at the TV, and he snuck up behind me with a big, like, uh, I had this big gorilla that was, like, bigger than me, like a stuffed animal. And he, he like attacked me with it. Oh my god! It was the first. It was one of my first nightmares. You ever have like? You guys remember your first nightmare? You guys ever have like a? No, my I first remember, nightmare. I don't remember my first one, but I remember the one that I had repeatedly. Ooh, well, you have one of the repeating ones. I just, I, I just, I, I recall two nightmares from my first house. Two specific. One was when the Cookie Monster said he was going to eat me, and then I jumped out my window. And the other one was when I had watched Child's. Shut up, Nick. Right. And the other one was when I, I, uh, I watched Child's play, and then Chucky was like stabbing me while I was in like uh, the the room by my garage. Like in the, he chased me through my house. I was like, this oh, man. I. But yeah, so I watched Child's play. I have an ex-girlfriend who was very afraid of child's play. And like in the first two or three months of the relationship, I didn't realize how serious it was. So we were both in a Midtown Comics and they had like a life-size replica of the Chucky doll. And like, I don't want to say like I chased her around the store with it, but I... (laughs) This is an ex-girlfriend, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, but she was not thrilled, and I didn't realize, oh, no, this is like a truly, truly does not like this. Not like a, oh, no, it's spooky. It's a get that fucking thing away from me. Yeah. She me, kept saying stop it, and I thought she wanted me to keep going. I thought she was having a fun time. Look, I discovered. That's why you need a safe word, Nick. <laughs> look, I discovered within about. I'd say 10 seconds that she was legitimately not enjoying herself. And I put the doll back because I'm a gentleman. A gentleman puts the Chucky doll back on the shelf. For me, it was for me, it was Tim Curry's Pennywise, at least up until I became him. Uh, that, the only way that, to overcome your fear is to become, is to become fear. So, um, Child's Play, there's something about dolls being alive. Like, as an adult, I watched Annabelle and still kind of creep me out. So, there's just something about, especially if it's 
like something that is a doll and it's like you only kind of see it and you see it like standing up and then you see it like move towards you really quickly. There's just something about that that creeps me out. And so Child's Play, I also didn't watch as a kid, but I did see enough of it to know to be scared of it. My, my, yeah, my mom used to have, and she put it in my room. I don't know why I didn't move it. Like, yeah, I let my mom just decorate my room, I suppose. But like, it was Still like does. a, put a, put a, like this little, little China doll and it was like in this glass case, but like it, its head was always like this and it was always just staring at me. <laughs> Mike tilted like, his head slightly for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, Mike, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. I mean, as long as its eyes weren't blinking, I think that would have been far worse. Okay, they weren't blinking, but no matter where you were in the room, they were looking at you. <laughs> it's, that's, that cold, dead stare. Ooh, man. I, so, oh. Child's Play is a 1988 slasher film directed and co-written by Tom Holland, who also wrote and directed Fright Night, which also has a really shitty song attached to it. That, <laughs> that I was song gonna... is fantastic. You shut your stupid face. <laughs> oh, From the no. Jay Giles band. From the J. Giles band yes. that I was going to talk about, night, but I I, who's I replaced it with tonight? I replaced it with another one. But maybe for next Halloween, I'll do that one. I will fight just you to the death. I will fight you to the death on that. Oh good, good. well, maybe we should just do that one next week, huh? Just like, ooh, I want to see I'm duking out over it, and I can choose um, which if it's good or bad. So, starring <laughs> Catherine Hicks, Chris Sarandon, and as the serial killer Charles Lee Ray, and as the voice of Chucky, uh, seminal horror genre director uh or, or sorry actor brad Dourif, wonderful um, who you may also remember from as grima Wormtongue in the lord of the rings trilogy one floor of the cuckoo's um, nest one floor of the cuckoo's nest which he got an academy award nomination for and uh being the voice of this murderous doll in like 10 fucking movies you know a good paycheck when you get it is what i'm saying yeah dude, and the, and the you know the this the chucky I mean, they really gave that doll some depth. He got to get married. Got a little Chucky's bride. Got a little hottie doll with him. You know, going around. He, had, you know, a, he had a the, kid in seed of a, Chucky. Yeah, like, hey, we're gonna we gotta give this we gotta get make this uh, villain an antihero in some ways. I mean, so, basically, <laughs> the if you haven't seen it in the film, a dying serial killer named Charles Lee Ray. Uh, gets shot by a police officer who's chasing him, and as he's dying, a maniac cop, maniac, a maniac cop, oh, a maniac cop meets Chucky. Okay, keep going. As as he's dying, he breaks into a toy store, and as you do, performs a Haitian voodoo ritual to transfer his soul into a doll. You know, that's what I was always told. That's, yeah, okay. it's called a contingency plan. Yeah, random and Brad Drift, not exactly an unwhite gentleman. <laughs> just happens to know some voodoo <laughs> enough to enough to get by, you know, just enough to get by. I, I, have, I know conversational voodoo. So he transports his soul into this doll who, if I remember correctly, is then found by a vagrant who then sells it to the main character's mother. What kind of mother are you that you're buying toys for your children from vagrants? It was like a Tickle Me Elmo thing before Tickle Me Elmo, where it was the hottest toy and you couldn't find it anywhere. So her only option was to buy it from this vagrant who stole one. But he happened to steal the one that had the soul of Brad Dorf in it. You know, you know, shame on you, Steve. You know, yeah. sometimes the Christmas time. Money gets tough. You just had a dinner with some street spaghetti, and you're like, "I gotta get my kids some Christmas gifts." Well, I what am I? Where am I gonna get it? Gotta, gotta get it from the local vagrant. You know, that's that's how you can make that's how you make Christmas happen. 
We can't all have we can't all have a Santa Claus that brings us a hundred toys. Yeah, check Steve. your fucking privilege, Steve. You piece you're of shit elitist. You're, you're absolutely right. I am a privileged elitist who doesn't need to buy his toys from. Vagrants. I bet all the spaghetti you've eaten came from restaurants or the grocery store. <laughs> you know what, you guys, you caught me. You caught me. I am now ashamed. And Through massive I will carry that there. I will, carry, I will carry that shame with me for the rest of my life. That has you now, the, they this song I'm about to play for you. Yes, it's just called the Chucky song. It's by uh, it is it's a was written by the film's composer, running gag here, uh, uh, Joe Renzetti, and performed and co-written by a singer-songwriter named Simon Stokes. This song, for reasons which shall become soon apparent was decided upon by the director and the producer to not be included in the film. And this is why. I love this. <laughs> For some reason, they didn't think this would mesh well with the psychological horror slash slash slasher that uh, film that they were making. Um, oh, you mean because like deranged funhouse song doesn't gel well with the actually surprisingly serious child's play movie? Yeah, kind of. That seems to have been the whole. Life is like uh, a hurricane. Here yeah, no, there's very, it's there very some very Disney afternoon vibes from this. This is definitely a song that should have been in one of my like animated series opening song episodes. <laughs> Except in this one, a murderous doll kills a bunch of people, and a little kid gets blamed for them to the point where he gets put in a mental asylum. I, you know what? I think. But isn't that the whole thing about Chucky? I think the song fits in, right? Because it's he's supposed he's pretending. You know, it's all mind games. Okay, Mike. I'll I'll go with you on this. Just give me another verse. Then much to my surprise, he rolled his head and he blinked his eyes. So I took him home to be my very own. And things were really going swell. So my auntie slipped and fell. And Chucky laughed and said, No, we're alone. Oh my god. Oh, I want to see Chucky's uh, Chucky's Playhouse, right? I mean like it'll be the last thing you see. That's its tagline. Yeah, they um again. It doesn't, you know, I think that they could have still thrown this in the closing credits. Like I I don't think they they truly needed to like exit completely out of the movie. My opinion, because this like this is the first time I'm hearing this song actually, and I gotta say, it, I'm gonna pull it, it, I'm gonna pull up my terminology straight up. Banger. It's actually very few people know this even exists. 
You have to actually go looking for this uh, because they didn't include it on anything. You have to go to your local vagrant who sells the CDs of it exactly. and buy it from them because you can't find it exactly. in the stores. Much like a Chucky I, doll. In my research, I found a lot of like horror film bloggers who wrote entire compositions about, I had no effing clue this ever existed. <laughs> Look at you guys bringing out these these crazy unheard of songs like in the last couple of weeks. I'm loving Chucky's bad. That ain't no lie. Ooh, so sassy. <laughs> now here's the thing. I will. I'm with you for. I'd be with you more if this was played in one of the later films when they started getting. They started being more like horror comedies. Sure, Child's Play three maybe if they threw this. Yeah, in. like that would be that would make a little more sense. Not the first one where they're trying to establish a street cred. The you don't establish is, street cred with a Mickey Mouse refrain. They they messed up here. Look, this song is. They should have had Will Smith sing this song because it is explaining the entire ha. plot of the movie as we go through this, and then they would have had the street cred they needed. Yes. Gonna tell you a story about a killer doll. You might think he's big, but he was actually small. It's small. <laughs> That's actually pretty close. See? He's right on that last part. Uh, Chucky has a filthy mouth. Uh, well, yeah, he's a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Steve, you're saying all serial killers have potty mouths? That's pretty close-minded except, of you. Except for Hannibal Lecter, who's a very polite That's gentleman. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no funny rap songs about him that I could find. <laughs> oh, if Will Smith did the theme for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> My name's Clarice, and I'm here to say... Have the lambs stopped screaming today? Goodbye, horses. He was really smart and kind of neat, and then all of a sudden he was eating human meat. Still better than this. You know what? You know what I'm surprised? They're using all these these kid these kid songs, right? I'm surprised they didn't uh, maybe, you know, I, I haven't heard this, so they haven't another two minutes left. But uh I always I there was a Chucky that lived on my block. He lived on my block uh growing up, uh throughout like elementary and uh middle school. And uh I always felt bad because like the you know the name game song? You could never play the name game song with the Chuckies. Chucky, Chucky, Bofucky, Bonana, Fana, Fofucky. <laughs> but that would be perfect for the the foul mouth Chucky song, or the foul mouth Chucky with his own the Chucky song. I feel like that would be ooh. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. Real nice. I 
yeah, this song goes on for a while. It actually does describe scene by scene most of the events of the film. But didn't we establish when we were talking about uh, the Fat Boys Nightmare on Elm Street song versus Alice Cooper's Friday the 13th song that we tend to appreciate it when they do actually describe what the movie is about? Did we come down on that side of that argument? Well, because I feel like our our critique, if I remember correctly, was that <laughs> Alice Cooper's song was pretty vague and it's like you if you're doing a song about Jason Voorhees, just lean into it. Whereas the Fat Boys actually really discussed the movies and Freddy Krueger specifically. And that's what this song seems to be doing. That's why I think this just song belonged it in there. the movie. They it belonged in the movie, Nick. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry, it Steve. I'm, I'm, a museum. <laughs> so do you. But yeah, like and look, I can I think there's a there's a um, a balance that needs to be made. Because you don't want to give away the whole goddamn movie or else people will be like, well, I already know what's going to happen. But you also don't want to just say a bunch of vague BS that has nothing to do with what's happening. Exactly. You got to find that. Ooh. Or it's just like, I feel like we could leave without talking about what happened with the ant and what happens, like, all the bad stuff that he does to this specific guy's family, but like keeping the kids telling Chucky to go away and like that he swears a lot and he's going to come stab you and your family. Like, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Let, let's keep the per use stuff, but like sa- save those special details about what he's going to do to this kid's family. Uh, a mystery. You know, don't, don't reveal that. My name is Damien, and I'm here to say I'm killing all who oppose me and Satan in a major way. <laughs> like that. That's what you want? That's what you want for every movie? I, I mean, yeah. You guys always use that opening line for it. I mean, but sure. So, all right, I'm going to end on this last lyric just because it is so nice. Wait a second. Could you repeat, Wait a second. Could you, could you repeat that, please? Uh, so he says, Ali Ali Oxen Free, Dambala Morte 3 3. Here I come, ready or not. I'm going to get you no matter what. Mommy says, You practice voodoo. Who do? You do practice voodoo. Holy three. shit. Uh, that is from uh, the, the Labyrinth. Dance. Three speed magic morte. Dance. Oh, Dambala. Magic dance. Not dance. No, Chucky that they, dance. Chucky dance. They introduced. In that lyric, the uh, the voodoo ritual that Charles Lee Ray d- uh, undergoes at the beginning of the movie, but in a fun sing-song way. Like that's all really nice. Should be. Oh, that's great. Uh, but that is our spooky night at the movies, guys. Jesus. Feel- he can't help you now. No, I, I've established that. This night at the movies was certainly spooky, and boy, we took on some big topics today. <laughs> A lot learned. <laughs> yeah, maybe stuff we shouldn't have talked about, but that I kind of figured we'd end up talking about based on the things I chose. <laughs> uh, but great selections all around, Steve. Like, like we're really, really cutting to the marrow of horror movie-themed tie-ins. We're really getting a fish hook up in there. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no. Steve, like, I don't want to think about that. You're right. I'm I sorry, I don't guys. even have one. Guys, you're just... right. I'm sorry, here, let me help. 
going on Oh, it feels so much better. How could anything be wrong while this song is playing? Well, Steve, thank you so much for introducing all of us to that and all of our listeners to this. I hope it starts their spooktacular Halloween off on the right foot. I don't see how it could. Like, I, I'm a horror movie nerd, so I knew two out of three of these songs. But I hope for, like, I know for Mike, these were all new to you, yes? Well, except, well, I didn't know about the Chucky song. Yeah, so the songs were new. I mean, I watched Child's Play. Well, yes. Uh, oh, we've established you've watched Child's Play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is, I'm very much in the Halloween spirit now. You know, I I, I feel like I just want to go out and get a pumpkin and, and you know, slice it up and pull out its and guts turn it and make a coffee? face in it. You know, like. Turn it into coffee, you basic bee. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're damn right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my own Mike Russell branded uh, pumpkin spice latte. Except you don't, you if you just put pumpkin in it, it's not going to taste like anything because what you're really eating is like nutmeg and cinnamon. Shut up, Steve. Stop <sighs> ruining the magic. Let Mike oh, have Mike. his pumpkin spice latte and his infinity scarf and his, you know, Uggs and let him take Instagram photos and be his best basic self. Let me be happy, Steve. It's okay to be happy. Is that too <laughs> fucking much to ask for, Steve, to be whoa, happy? Whoa, all right. All right, all right, all right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I take it back. Guys, you don't have to get all maniac cop on me. <laughs> you have the right to shut the fuck up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side, Steve, I also very much appreciate, like I said, you bring, introducing all these songs to us and the listeners. And on that note, listeners, uh, if you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you listen to us there. Otherwise, just continue to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. But also consider checking us out on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I will selfishly plug myself and say you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier. And uh, Mr. Mike Russell, where can we find you? Yes, you can find me at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.dot. And uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, check out check out our uh, our Sontopsy report Instagram. Send us the song suggestions. Give us some feedback. Leave a five star review, preferably on the old Apple uh, podcast there. And uh, why don't you tell us your favorite fall activity? Do you like to fly kites? Do you like picking apples or do you like murdering your son and all his friends? Let us know. If uh, option C is the case, don't contact us. We'll contact you. <laughs> I was going to say, if you contact us, we will have to contact the authorities. I uh, the say. maniac cops out there was going to become your new best friend. That's true. That is the maniac cop M.O. Yes. His M.O. And Steve, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Your Mantrolo, on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com, and, of course, on the Dapper Devil Productions website and all of our all of our various and sundry uh, materials therein. Wonderful. And so erudite put. Uh, thank you again, Steve, for introducing yes. this to everyone. I think I'm really getting in the spooky mood. I look forward to the rest of October because it's only going to get spookier from here. And uh, thank you so much for listening, listeners. Uh, and until next week, I'm Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. I mean, you have to know what I'm about to do. We're going on a... a ball break, ball break. Ball break.
and we will see you next week. Take care. Enjoy your fall break. Woo! I'll break it to your heart. <laughs>